Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. On episode 55 of the Galen Trombley Show, we have veteran, uh, U.S. veteran and Shazy soccer coach legend George Brenler joining on the show. Uh, we talk his upbringing and childhood, his military experience, and um, obviously dive into his long um, you know, coaching career at Shazy and, and his involvement today with the uh, with Shazy soccer. Um, Mr. Brenler is someone I've known since I was a kid, and and again, like I said, his his legacy among Shazy is is very big. Um, having the field named after him, and also being the first ever person inducted into the Soccer Hall of Fame of New York State. So this was a very good conversation. I was very appreciative of Mr. Brenler joining me, and again for our Veterans Day special, um, the U.S. Veteran, um, which obviously is probably one of his big biggest titles and accomplishments of his life. So I hope you guys enjoy episode 55 with, again, U.S. veteran and legendary Shazy head coach, George Brendler. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 55 of the Galen Trombley Show. Um, today, I, I'm very happy to be joined by uh, George Brendler. And our, the theme today that I wanted is, is Veterans Day. So I wanted to make sure I had a veteran on for Veterans Day. And when P- I actually put this out for everybody to give me ideas on who to have, I didn't really do a lot of thinking on my end. Um, I wanted to see who people thought would be a good, a good pick. And a bunch of names came in. Um, but having known uh, Mr. Brenner now for quite a while and having a background, uh, obviously, through Shay Z, uh, I thought you were the perfect fit. So, Mr. Brenner, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Galen. I'm glad to be here. It's a special day that we're celebrating. And I, as a veteran, I'm very pleased to have an opportunity to, to uh, celebrate with you and the uh, listeners. Uh, I really am excited about this because... Uh, the uh, honor flight has been really putting the veterans in the forefront. And just uh, <clears throat> yesterday, I think, uh, or the day before, uh, Post 20 had a celebration of uh, awarding the Vietnam veterans a special pin, which Congress had authorized to honor them for their service. And uh, <clears throat> you can never say enough about this uh, uh, matter of service as I drove down here today, I was thinking about that, that uh, one of the things that I always remembered was that I gave four years uh, of my time. When I graduated from high school, I uh, signed up before I graduated. I was in- inducted before I graduated. <clears throat> so I was actually in the Army before I got my diploma. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, and then I went on to uh, active duty, Fort Dix and so on. And the Korean War was just winding down. And uh, so to get to four four years later, I come back and I'm uh, shopping and I run into a friend of mine and he had just gotten his engineering degree, I think, uh, from Cornell. And uh, here I was out of the Army 
not having even started college. So you see, you, we do we do give up quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I, I just to, to uh, the more we can say about uh, the appreciation we can show for these people. Uh, now, the other thing that I can say, in fact, my family as a whole, my my children, my father-in-law, my father, we were all very fortunate. Uh, we never had anyone wounded or deceased during the war. We have many, many members of my family, my father's side in Europe and so on, uh, in in the service. <clears throat> and uh, they all came back. I, I do have to go back one step, uh, and this is not in the United States. This is the First World War. My father's family, his brothers in the First World War, <clears throat> I think three of them, went down with U-boats. They died, but they were on the German side. So that was a loss. But here in this country, I'm very, very, we're very fortunate so that's another thing for the veterans, the, the ones that we have to think about really have, that have been uh, uh, somehow held back in their future because of wounds or other, it could be mental mm-hmm. effect from, from the war. Uh, <clears throat> they are the ones that we really have to honor for their service because they really gave much more than some who weren't under fire for instance. So um, what, what years were you enlisted? Uh, 53 to 57. Okay, and you with the Army? With the Army, yeah. So, so to go all the way back, I guess, um, so you said your father was in the military? He, he was a short time, yes. Okay, so go, where, where were you born and raised? It, I was born in, uh, on, uh, here you go, <laughs> uh, New York City. Okay. But uh, after a short period of time, this was during the Depression, and I was born as an out-of-wedlock child. My mother had me alone, so my grandfather, who had been working in New Jersey, and my mother was working in the city as a maid and so on, they they had emigrated to the United States. He He was actually a citizen. He'd been here that long, my grandfather, but he'd gone back and gotten my mother to try to give her a better, better life as a young lady. So uh, she ended up in the city. And uh, uh, anyway, here I am. She has a baby. Uh, times are tough. So and Grandpa have no no longer had a job because of the depression. So he said, "I will take the little one with me back to Hungary." For a year or so, till you get on your feet, because she did have a boyfriend, someone who, you know, the, whom they, she ended up marrying. So it's kind of a strange thing, but uh, I ended up I ended up growing up in Hungary, eleven years of my life. And so now this is another phase, Galen, <clears throat> that I said when when we were on the honor flight, I told them that I emphasized the fact that I am a World War World War II veteran. I mean, as a child. At 10 and 11, and even to at age 12 there, we went through, you know, we had the Germans come. We were, of course, uh, the German in the Axis, the Hungarians were in the mm-hmm. Axis uh, uh, group. So the Germans, no, no problem to us. I mean, they, they were friendly with us. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I saw a lot of Germans going through. Uh, 
because we're right on the railroad, one of the main railroad lines to the northeast going into uh, Ukraine. Okay. And, uh, uh, and even going farther back, 1939, that I, you know, I'm not thinking of a five-year-old kid. I remember seeing our military going up by train towards the Ukraine, <clears throat> up there to uh, what was Czechoslovakia. They occupied an area there. We'd taken extra land or something. You know, when, when Hitler made the big push and took over Poland and all, all of this. So from my age at five, the war was always there. We, we had the troops going up, the troops training in our little town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my two uncles uh, were drafted. They were drafted for three years over there. So my life was always, my grandfather had been in the, the Austro-Hungarian army and he fought in, uh, in, in Russia and he was a prisoner of war, 1918 or so, went out to uh, Siberia, Vladivostok, the other side of Russia. And then when the Russian, uh, the Tsar fell, you know, and the government was in upheaval, they just told these guys to go home. <laughs> Here he was near Japan, you know, near Korea, mm-hmm. and he came back. He came back, took him six months. So these, uh, I'm just getting at this, that I grew up with this. I I was in the military somehow in my mind all that time. And then uh, 1944, uh, it arrived. The war actually arrived in my little town. And uh, we as little kids, I remember seeing Russian uh, scout planes come over the river and uh, a couple of days in a row, two scout planes came over, and uh, well, at least we could tell. You could see the shiny, they're kind of like, uh, uh, you know, aluminum shining in the uh, sunlight. And about the third day they flew over, all of a sudden, bim, 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 bim. there was a fort nearby, the, the, the vil- my village. Uh, in fact, I visited there. This summer, I went back. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's called uh, Kishvarda, which is, a var is a fort. <clears throat> and from there, there was a little bat, a battery of two guns probably. They were shooting at these guys. You could see the puffs. So, wait a minute, that's real. You know, as a child, you see this. And they didn't get shot down. They just turned and disappeared. And within uh, the next few weeks, uh, we had uh, the Russians coming in in uh, caravans of these these were <clears throat> the germans had left excuse me before this as these these planes had come just about that time the germans were moving out and uh, we had a scout car come to my driveway you know there's like we we call them half tracks you know one one the front wheels has a wheel front wheel to steer but it's got tracks on the back and these guys were withdrawing, and uh, it, it parked right in front of the house. They uh, they didn't bother us, you know, as I'm saying. They were, but what they were doing was, they went down to the railroad station, which my backyard went right onto the railroad. So uh, you know, as a child, it seemed like it was a long way away, but maybe maybe uh, 40, 50 yards. You know, it wasn't a long distance. 
and they went down, burned down the warehouses, blew up all the tracks behind my house included, and we were uh, listening to all these explosions, and I uh, heard something crash in the yard, and I went over there, and there was a piece of rail, a piece of iron rail that had blown from one of the explosions, probably a six, seven-inch piece that fell in our yard. So, again, you know, it, it, it wasn't like being shelled, but it was... Uh, uh, and it's a kind of a thing that we heard later from other people. They could see the fire from the towns around, you know. So, <clears throat> and they left. Then there was a little lull. And I think it was right around the 1st of November. Uh, we just passed the 1st of November. All Saints Day was, I believe that. Yeah, last week. Yeah, so <clears throat> uh, the Russians came in and uh, they, they were completely different in terms of their uh, they were not mechanized all these troops that I saw coming were uh they were like mongolians you know horse horses the, the horse drawn wagons and there was a very very poor time there again as a child i think it forever affected me uh we we were hearing uh first evening you know women screaming and there were a lot of this uh, disruption in our life and I had my two uncles were gone and <clears throat> Uncle Joe's wife who was you know 21 22 years old uh, they were, we were warned you got to hide the women you got to hide the women so <laughs> I remember we had a cellar a little root cellar in the yard the front yard you don't think too much about it's a little mound of dirt with a little door in it and uh, she and I hid. I hid with her for two or three nights. The first few yeah. days of the, that Russian group that had come in, and then later on they moved on and things things settled. Uh, but uh, we always had to be careful because uh, they didn't bother the older ladies, you know, or the family, and they never bothered me. We we kids wandered around among those Russians. I got a Russian hat. You know, it's amazing how I had no fear and they didn't care. You know, we were no factor in their life. Yeah. And they were no different than any other. This is something else we got to say. When you're really with the soldiers every day, I don't care which group you're with. If you were right there like a reporter, you know, if you, you were. So, they're everyday type people in their own life. You know, it's when you get get each other shooting at each other that things go bad. But anyway, we used to have fun. They they played music, they played the accordion and danced. You know, and you know it was a, in that sense it was interesting. <coughs> so <coughs> anyway, the the time wore on. There was a lawless stretch of uh, 1945 that. Uh, you know, we, we feared, initially we feared we had to move out of the area because the war was going to break right over us. It didn't. We, the only thing that happened was when the Russians arrived, or just about that time, we had shells going over the town. You know what I mean? A shell can go 20 miles. But it, so we heard shells going over us, but never anything. You know, there was no actual fighting in the town. And uh, so 
all of this, what I'm saying is that <clears throat> that's a childhood experience that uh, I say, I, I am a World War II veteran. <laughs> yeah, you lived you know, right through it. Well, yeah. you know, you live, you live as a child. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you see all these children in the Middle East. Uh, it, yeah, it's, be, yeah it's, very it's similar. A, it's, it's not a happy life, I'll tell you. Well, I mean, for at least for me, I mean, I'm turning 30 next month. Wow. So, <laughs> I know. I but, uh, I mean, for re- realistically, for me, we had, um, I mean, Persian Gulf was when I was a kid. And then we had, obviously, the Iraq War and Afghanistan. But... You know, so we had a little glimpse of war, but again, it's never, we've never had domestic war. You know, we've never had anything here, so we've never had to live through it. So it's a difference. I mean, you obviously see it. I I have an extreme appreciation for all the military and anybody that, like you said, gives up time, you know, family sacrifice, even, you know, obviously the ultimate sacrifice if they happen to um, pass. But it's the idea that we see it through television, movies, film, stuff like that. Again, we're not actively living you know, amongst the the chaos, amongst yeah, right. the fighting. Yeah, so there is a huge difference if you've grown up and, you know, you see like, okay, we're literally in the battlefield or crosshairs or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's, to me, that that's kind of the ex- firsthand experience I've never known. Yeah. And I hope never to know. I mean, it's something I don't want to experience, but... Well, at, at any age, any age. I mean, I can give you more examples. It's, it's just the fact that, uh, that I'm saying that this is an 11, 10, 11... 12-year-old kid mm-hmm. uh, that is going through this experience. Uh, there were there were instances, uh, that, you know, that stayed in my mind forever. Uh, before, between the time that I saw the scout planes and, and the Germans were moving out, uh, we had an example i mean this is a little town you know let's think think of shays you know we we don't have a, a, a street light so you know winding through the little town was a was the main road uh and these roads by the way that we had were like the appian way they were they were made with square you know blocks oh the cobblestone cobblestone almost? road yeah. one lane in the middle and on either side there was a dirt path you know but that's what that that was the main road. Well, anyway, on it was a column of no, I don't know, three, four vehicles. It was Sunday, and I think it was in September, August, or September of that year, forty-four. And uh, these two planes came, saw the column. They were guys were apparently resting underneath the. Uh, it was like uh, I think I don't know what the particular kind of tree it was that uh, the, the state had planted these trees all along all the state highways so that they could uh, uh, harvest the, the uh, I, I don't know moth moth or so, some uh, something that they could silk from okay so anyway that these trees were all along the highway and uh, so anyway the, the planes, Started sweeping down, uh, machine gunning. And it's not that far away. You know, when you think about it, they're up there and you can see the planes like they're coming at you. Uh, they were like probably a quarter of a mile away, maybe half a mile. And, uh, and then they dropped bombs, three, four bombs, small scout planes dropped bombs. And uh, my 
my aunt and I were standing in front of the uh, stable, and we saw, you know, the plane coming down, bang, and, and you could feel the concussion from the bomb. So, you know, that's, that's a first-hand example. And uh, later on, we also saw a night attack just north of us. Uh, it'd be like, uh, you know, maybe Coopersville, maybe Rouse's Point. But you could see from, from Shazy to Rouse's Point, what, 12 mm-hmm. miles? We could see at night the planes in the searchlight bombing the bridge uh, and hearing all the, the, you know, all of this. So that's another example. And then after the spring of 45, uh, personal example, yeah, oh, uh, at, at this bombing, one, one Amer- a Hungarian was killed, and they buried him the following couple of days. He was killed because the, the uh, trucks were set on fire and uh, they were machine guns. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the following spring, when the Russians had moved through, uh, or during this time, sometime like uh, could have been December of '44, possibly '45, you know, January. The, the the way we had our land there, the people were uh, large landowners' land had been cut up into sli- sliced into uh, short, you know, narrow strips of land. So uh, all the local people had little bits of land here and there. You didn't have a large uh, farm, you know, just a piece of the land. It'd be like having uh, something out there in Coopersville, you know. So anyway, one one particular spot, we had a piece of land, and right there on the entrance to that piece of land, somebody found a body, a Hungarian soldier. Apparently, you know, they'd been disrupted, and he was fleeing or going home or whatever, and he apparently was met by some Russians, and they just killed him. He was lying there. And uh, he, the other close thing about it was that he had uh, on him a prayer book. In the prayer book was a girl's name. The girl was a friend of my uncle's wife from, oh, wow. uh, from a couple of towns away. You know? yeah. So anyway, again, his closeness of the... We didn't know the guy. We don't know how come he got shot. So somebody quickly buried him in a shallow grave there right at the edge of our land. And then when spring came, uh, the town fathers took some people out there. Of course, we all kids. You know, kids are always underfoot. We're, nobody notices kids. <laughs> so we went out and uh, they dug up this body and I'm telling you, it was graphic to see a dead body with mouth open and eyes open, dirt in the face, and uh, ungodly odor. Yeah. And they try to pick him up with straw, and, uh, you know, so these are, you know, very, very uh, strong memories from the war for me. Now, when you were back over... You obviously came over here and you grew up and you grew up in your, when you came back after, so you were 11 up in. I was 13 when I came back. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. you came back to where? To White Plains. Okay. And that's where you grew up. <clears throat> right. See, now my mother uh, got married after I, I left, as I said, uh, uh, within those years, things got better for them. And uh, for one reason or another, and I never quite got this straight, that they didn't get me back 
in 37, 38, whatever, you know, maybe they weren't ready, whatever. And then afterwards, they, there was no uh, occasion where they could. So I kind of got stuck there, you see? Mm-hmm. And uh, during the war, it was so, my in my mind, it was so far away uh, uh, that I back, actually forgot that I was an American. I wasn't taught that. I, I was like a Hungarian, you yeah. know. I could not speak English. That's hard for people to understand. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's uh, weird, you know, here, after 71 years, I went back last summer. And, of course, I've had contact with my relatives, rekindled with Facebook mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and Messenger, and we do face-to-face chat. And it's just so difficult to speak Hungarian because I just don't have the vocabulary, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's weird, you know. I tell them Do you still there, have a little bit of it? Oh, I, I, I managed to get along mm-hmm. okay. But, I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's like no, you wouldn't believe that I, that was my native language for 11 years. <laughs> so, anyway, I came back in 47 when things were, uh, my folks, as soon as the war was over, we stayed in uh, Somebody's going by here, huh? It's a, it's a live train station, yeah. <laughs> That's great. You'll, you'll, I was going to say, you've talked about the train, so you get, yeah, here we are. It'll come through this one. Yeah, we oh, got this, a pause this is big moment. One. Oh, he's going to be going. This is a... Uh, it's a Canadian, yeah. This, the Canadian Pacific, the oil train here. Yeah, yeah well, so anyway, uh, not to belabor this, uh, they were able to get funds i mean they they were they worked hard the two of them and uh they apparently were able to uh set up and i don't know how they did this to me the 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 mechanics of how i got back i mean who paid whom or (laughs) you know what i mean the the logistics the the logistics of how it was done i don't know it was just that my grandfather uh you know would heard from them by mail Mm -hmm. Uh, we had gotten some packages from them in 46 and 47. Uh, they talked about uh, we had to go. I had to go with my grandfather to Budapest, and I had a passport, and so did he. We went up to Budapest, so went to the American consulate, but the, the uh, passports were out of date because they were 11 years. Mm-hmm. See, so uh, he got me a new one, and uh, they tried to tell him well why don't you uh, at least that's what I heard you know I didn't the, the woman was speaking English to him I didn't know what was going on so anyway we I got back uh, and that was another whole experience for a 13 year old uh, we made two trips to Budapest the second trip I said goodbye to everybody there, you know, and uh, cause you, when you do that, you say, well, maybe we'll never see each other. Yeah. It's the truth. Oh, yeah. It was the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I never got to see those people again. Now, uh, things were different. I never got to talk to them even, you know. So uh, it took a, a flight from Budapest to Prague, Czechoslovakia, from Czechoslovakia to Copenhagen, Denmark, and then from there to Gothenburg, Sweden, and of course, I mean, here I didn't even know the map. You know, I, I was limited to my little country, and uh, and we were flying on a, one of these planes that had a tail wheel on it. You know, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, the two-propeller plane. And uh, I got sick naturally right away. It's just, it's just uh, anyway, it was a great experience. But then we stayed three days in Gothenburg, Sweden, and it was just unbelievable. I said, this is amazing. You know, you see kids and everybody uh, with watches on. This was a big deal, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they're wearing wristwatches and the place is beautiful and there's no sign of the war and i just come from budapest where every building had a hole in it or it was down i mean it was really amazing it, the place was really uh, they'd done a lot of work in in a couple of years to clean it up you know? this is budapest budapest yep. but so anyway it's quite a change and the the only Saving thing for me was that, uh, for my grandfather too, was somewhere in Budapest, the same uh, uh, company, would, what, would, what would you call them? They're, you know, you're in real estate, but these people are in uh, uh, transportation, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it was that set this up. There were three other boys going to Canada. Uh, that one was 19, I think 17, 19, and 21. And so they took me under their wing. We're flying in the same plane and we were in the same boat. See, so we had, uh, but it's quite a, quite a, a life experience. Did, did you fly across the Atlantic or boat? No, we came by boat. By boat, okay. But, but we had to wait in Sweden and, uh, and that was the first experience I had where we see the Northern Lights at, it is fullest and yeah you know we we were up uh, you know we were staying in a i guess it'd be like your real estate not real estate tra- what, tra- transportation what what's the company that, for what here or well i mean that somebody who arranges for you to, to oh, tra- travel agent. travel agents yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't yeah. get the travel agent triple yeah. a <laughs> yeah, tri- <laughs> anyway travel agency office like yours yep they just put us up and we we kind of slept there in the the office because we didn't have any rooms reserved or anything so yeah. so we went out and wandered around the town it was just quite an experience i got a manicure can you believe that we, we got manicure. Your, your nails are nice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a manicure of unheard of, unheard have you, have you ever got a pedicure on your feet no no i've, I've gotten those those are really nice well you, no, it I, feels like you're walking on clouds once you're done no kidding. I don't, I don't. I don't know what they do, but it, it's it, yeah. <laughs> oh, so no. if you ever want to do it, that'd be that'd be a life experience you'd love. No, it's 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 something I uh, you know I've never since had it. But it was yeah. just the guys we were wandering around. But the biggest ex- uh, experience was surprise. I mean, was that we went out. To, it was light outside. We're wandering around outside in the evening, and uh, said, you know, there's nobody around. So we knock on a door, and the guy said, "Well, we're closed. It's eleven o'clock." <laughs> it was daylight. Uh, I mean, you know, because so north, right? Yes, it was. It was a just one of those experiences that I, we didn't know how to deal with this. Yeah. You know, uh, so and then you know the ship was fine. We uh, we we got you know had a, had a, had a, like any other people go on cruises. People, you know, my wife and I, we never had gone on one. And I said, I've already been on. Three of them, I don't <laughs> across the Atlantic yeah. three times. Well, it's not really the same, but <laughs> so that's how I ended up in White Plains. You know, my, they, my folks met me there, and they they lived in a 
uh, White Plains was like a bedroom community for for the city. Mm-hmm. And it's, ju- it's just north of the city, right? It's north of the city. Mm-hmm. It never stops. The city kind of, you know, yeah. suburbia. But it, it was a nice, a very nice uh, city. And uh, and I'll tell you that that, uh, in terms of a life-changing experience for a 13-year-old, I come out of one way of life into another. You know, my father didn't speak Hungarian. Uh, he, he was German, and he, he could speak, I assume, we didn't have, ever speak German, but he could speak German. Uh, and he could speak impeccable English. He, he was very good, and he could write well, so on. So he was a he was a manager for a a, 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 a company. I'm trying to remember what they called it, Parkway Laundry. Actually, he was a manager for them. Okay. So he was quite you know quite well versed at business and so on. And uh, so my mother said, "Well, you know, we've got to start." learning English right away because this is July 29th I arrived I'm going to go to school in September in September yep and so she took a month off from work she worked at uh, yard in the yard goods business and and to make a short story of it the following year by the following summer I was speaking fluent English because it it's, it's, it's a complete immersement in exactly, a different yeah. society. And, and, and then, you know, I would speak a little bit Hungarian when I saw my relatives in New Jersey. But uh, that was for a holiday or something. So, Did you have any social pressure to speak English? From kids or just because being an immigrant, did you have to have... Well, you, they, there was no other way to communicate. So, I mean, you were kind of... Yeah, you, you were forced into it. But, I mean, was it something... Was that ever looked at as a... As a weak, I didn't say a weakness. Was that ever like a you were low, lower class because you couldn't speak English? Did you ever run into uh, that? There's, there's always Cause, that because this is what probably the forties. Yeah, this is uh, this is 1947. Yeah, I, I will say this that uh, I and I've always thanked my school and the teachers that I had uh, in general. They were very, very receptive, very helpful, and you got to also remember that we'd just come out of a war where. There was a great deal of resentment of Germans, and uh, my father was a German, mm-hmm. you know, but I mean he, he was in the American Army. But doesn't make any difference, you know. It's the name, so on. But I never really suffered from that. The, the kids in my school, the elementary school, junior high, uh, uh, East U Junior High, <clears throat> at White Plains, by the way, the high school was uh, like top ninety in the country back then you know so they were a good school and it's probably pretty diverse too just being outside the city and that's it that's the other thing too is that it was uh we had uh we had a good variety of people uh we had uh you know hispanics we had uh we had uh uh, puerto ricans quite a few puerto ricans uh we had uh and the jewish population in the area was fairly heavy and uh, I very I, I, all all of these people are very very positive. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean. What you're asking? No, I never suffered. No, it's good. Yeah, that I at all. Because I think some like some people probably did, depending on, or at least maybe they self thought it. They thought to themselves because I couldn't speak English, I couldn't fit in, especially coming kind of at 
you know, pretty formative years for a young adult, yeah. you know, or a child coming into, into adulthood. Um, so, so you went from White Plains. When did, how did you get to Shazy? Like, what's the background story on how you got up here? <clears throat> oh, it's kind of a, str- well, uh, again, you know, I, I'm a veteran. So uh, when I was in the Army, I went to Fort Dix uh, in infantry basic. I, I've got to go through it that way to, to bring yep. you to it. Yep. Uh, went through Fort Dix infantry basic. But uh, because I had just gotten out of high school, uh, I was really on top in terms of my, my tests, my scores. Uh, I went through co- college prep. I was in the college prep group in, in White Plains. And uh, I'd say I've studied very hard. It was much harder for me than probably for the homegrown child, but uh, I did okay. You know, I, I was on the honor roll. So anyway, taking these military tests, I did very well. And I had an opportunity. I said, well, I, you know, you could go to language school in Fort Ord, California. Because I did, you know, fluent in Hungarian. Uh, uh, I could speak German. I've taken German for three years in high school. So I considered that. And I also did well to, I could go to OCS, What's Officer it? Candidate School. Okay. So I said, boy, I'd like that. I'd like to go into armor. And, and there was OCS for the infantry, but I didn't want to go to infantry basic uh, officer's course. And so I went off to armor, uh, ended up going to, no, there was no armored officer's basic. So where do I end up? Oklahoma in artillery officers, OCS, out in Oklahoma. It's kind of a small world because unbeknownst to me, my future wife, her father had been a colonel at Fort uh, Sill, Oklahoma, and she lived there just off the base. You know, but I didn't know that. They were there about the same time, but I didn't know that at the time. And we met later. Uh, so anyway, uh, after that was a successful experience, it was, you know, I did, I'd did. i say one of the things that uh, carried me was uh, I was no great athlete, but I was in good shape. Always used to weight lift and uh, exercise. And uh, one of the biggest memories I have from from. Uh, the basic from from OCS was that uh, I was in the 400 club. I mean, if you 500 points on the fitness test, you know, if you got over 400, you could wear your name tag on your right side. <laughs> this man, this was a big deal, you know. People people could tell you were uh, in good shape, good yeah. shape, you know. So and and I used that as much as I could to my my advantage, you know. Fitness people don't bother you. If you I'm not exactly a big guy, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I never really was bothered by anybody. Yeah. I guess, you know, when you're fit enough, somehow they, you know, measure you and said, oh, I don't want to mess with this guy. <laughs> you know, so I've been pretty, pretty fortunate in that sense. So anyway, <clears throat> when we finished OCS there, I wanted to go to armored, an armored unit. So, uh, otherwise I would have ended up as a forward observer in Korea which of course the war had ended, mm-hmm. so so that was, you know, because uh, Korean War was early fifties. It was 50, It ended in fifty three, just as I went in. Yeah. So I'm a Korean War veteran, because there was an era, you know. They, they, then they cut cut off that uh, 
time that you're considered no longer a Korean War veteran. I didn't go to Korea. I mean, the unit that I trained with, basic training mm-hmm. in Fort Dix, initially because of my scores and it, the fact that I was uh, uh, a good student, they put me in a, in a, a basic, they call it, a, it was an eight-week cycle. They have 16 weeks for infantry, but it was an eight-week cycle for uh, uh, cooks, bakers, and uh, clerks. And, uh, it's a, some, you know, that type of positions. The guys out of the basic training would go off for another eight weeks to their specialty, like uh, clerks uh, for, for, uh, uh, or work you know, work in offices. But uh, because I applied for OCS, when I finished that, they moved me into another cycle, which was in its ninth week, 16-week cycle, heavy weapons, platoon, you know, training and all that. So I was trained as an infantry guy, you know. And those guys all ended up in Korea as infantry, you know, men. But I didn't because I went off to school. So I missed Korea, see. Mm-hmm. But everyone, all the instructors we had, they had been in combat in Korea, and for them it was very real, and they were very upset with us when we were messing around and we are having fun out there in the field. And this is no joke, you know. This is, uh, you're going to get yourself killed. Yeah, yeah life know. and death, yeah. They, for them it was life and death. They, they, they were uh, a lot, and if many of them didn't really want to be doing this. They were ready to go home, you know, their time wasn't up, so they'd make them cadre for uh, basic training. So anyway, uh, I ended up in Armour OCS at Fort Knox, uh, Armour Officers Basic, and that's another great experience. Coincidentally, that was 1954, the, the, the class of 54, West Point, those cadets that chose Armour, were in this class. We're called the class of 54, but it was also a class of, you know, it just happened to be a bunch of West Pointers. Mm-hmm. So you rub shoulders with guys out of the academy, you know, quite a, they were, they were gung-ho characters. Mm-hmm. It's a, it was a good experience, you know, to work with these fellows. And so anyway, then we finished the basic and here I'm coming around to how, how, how I end up in <laughs> teaching and so on. I uh, <clears throat> went I was assigned to the 3rd Armored Cavalry after finishing the Armored Officers course, which was a nice thing. 3rd Armored Cavalry. It wasn't straight, you know, armor. These were uh, these were units that were uh, kind of like in the West, you know, they had the, uh, the cavalry out in the West patrolling, and we, we were in that. That was our job. When we finished training in uh, Fort Meade, Maryland, we were shipped overseas to Germany and we patrolled the border along the Czech, Czech border. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of outriders, <laughs> like scouts. That, that's my unit. I mean, I always will think of the 3rd Armored Cavalry as a, my, you know, home unit. Yeah. So while I was in Fort Meade, Maryland, is when... Going there, uh, I knew one of my classmates, a girl that I had been in school with, and was a friend of mine. It, it, she was uh, actually 
a girlfriend to one of my best buddies who was in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. So I looked her up, and we'd go out a few, you know, a few times. I went out with her, and I, that's how I met my wife, you know. And uh, she was from Oklahoma. She was, they were in nursing school. These girls were saying Johns Hopkins University, but it's Johns Hopkins Hospital Nursing School. Yeah, well known in the country. And so Janet and I met. And after I'd been to Germany and came back, we got married, <clears throat> uh, went to Springfield College in Massachusetts, which was a physical education school. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I had, uh, you know, you say, what? are my options, you know, what am I going to do in life, you know, now here I talked about this buddy of mine from high school, uh, after four years, he was, had an engineering degree, and here I am coming back after four years, and uh, I'm, I have no degree. As, yeah, you're starting. Yeah, you know, the only thing I can say about that was that uh, I had a exciting life with having been an officer, mm-hmm. uh, but many times I wished I had gone to the the language school instead. It might have been in in pro the post uh, military life. I might have gotten something more uh, you know useful for myself because when yeah. I got out, I except for having been a, a, a platoon leader and and as a young fellow, uh, I don't think I was the greatest officer. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I didn't, I don't really, you know, I look back on it now. I, as I was towards the end, I was beginning to get more mature. And, and, but it's too late, you know. You, you were, when you got out, probably what, 22, 23? I was 22. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and you're, you're uh, still young. Yeah. And, but, uh, but, but, you know, uh, we got married at 20, I was 23. Just turned 23 in, in the uh, June 30th and uh, uh, you know Janet already had a, had her uh, degree and was working mm-hmm. and so uh, you know my first interest was uh, I was always interested in gymnastics and, and athletic you know not athletics per se because that's something I missed somewhere. You know, you you know how we have some summer leagues for little kids yep. in Shazy and City here in Plattsburgh. Uh, they had it, but I knew nothing of it. I never really was introduced to it. The only thing I had in high school was I I joined a men's team for soccer. There was a, like a White Plains soccer club, and uh, mainly because they needed another body. <laughs> Honest to God, yep. <laughs> I I was interested in soccer. Friends of mine and I, through high school, we always kicked soccer ball around. There was no no soccer in White Plains. Nobody really knew it. It was that's the other thing. That's a it, around the city. It's very much uh, compartmentalized. You know, you do have the Irish and you have the Italians and you get the Germans, and they all had their little groups. Mm-hmm. And so when we went around, we were actually in the German-American League, this this team. And we'd go to New Jersey, and we'd go to uh, the city, and you play in a stand lot somewhere, you know. It was just, we'd change in a bar. I mean, here I am. Uh, at this time, I might have I might have been around 17 or, you know, turning 18 somewhere, you know. Uh, it was a good experience, but, I mean, to me, in terms of being a player, 
I was out there. I was a body. I was no great athlete, you mm -hmm. know. The, so, but in junior high, I had a gentleman that had been a Springfield graduate, and he was a gymnast, and he was big on gymnastics, Mr. Clegg, and he was a small man. And so you see, you know, you 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 identify with individuals. So when I came back, I when I visited him in school, and uh, I said, "Boy, I think I'd like to get into teaching, you know, physical education, you know." And uh, no problem getting into Springfield, which was a big phys ed school. And uh, so from there, when I got my degree, and I I played soccer uh, with. Springfield. Uh, of course, it was a shock, you know. I, I arrive, you know. Of course, it's like, um, hey, here I am, man. You know, I, I used to run clinics in the army. I mean, I'm I'm a gift, you know. <laughs> well, uh, even on the JVs, boy, I, I I just managed to be a sub, you know. Yeah. Uh, going step back uh, in the army. You know, you got, in addition to your other duties, they'd call this. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? <laughs> in, addition, in addition to your other duties. And one of the things I ended up doing was uh, uh, I went on, uh, I forgot the term they use, but you, you get uh, detached duty for eight weeks uh, in the Seventh Army, Seventh Corps was running these soccer clinics to introduce our troops to soccer, uh, and we we go to you know I I what happened was they hired uh, I don't remember how many groups we had I'd say offhand they might have been like six groups uh, of they had six English professionals that they had hired, they were past their prime guys. They came, and I, I happened to be paired up with Len Golden, Golden, and he had played for Arsenal, and nice guy, nice uh, full-blooded Englishman. You know how that, they're, they're oh, yeah. a lieutenant, <laughs> lieutenant, Brendler, you know, lieutenant, as always sticks with me that he'd call me that but we had len and i i was the officer in charge of our little organization and we had two uh enlisted soldiers with us who uh were helped carry the equipment we had a car and then we'd we'd go into uh one of the the, the concerns that's a you know post american post and we did eight of those during that summer and at the end you line up a game with some of one of the local uh, teams mm -hmm. you know play them and so and we had a they they had a structured plan an outline that uh, kind of became helpful for me in the future you know what in my teaching uh practices and things that you did so so i did have as a leg up that military background with with the soccer, my personal development. Uh, I mean, I was fit and all that, but I was no great soccer player. Mm -hmm. I just had great interest in it. And so with that, I ended up uh, applying to Springfield. Of course, I was accepted right away, you know, and uh, 
what what and that was another thing that was they're pleased about that because I was married I had much to prove you know I mean I said uh the idea of, of us getting married while George was going to get a degree. You know what I mean? You make that commitment, kind mm -hmm. of. Uh, so I worked hard, and uh, I actually graduated in three years. The four-year program, I went to summer school, took extra courses, finished the summer of my third year. And went out to work, you know. So, so then we're getting to your original question, which was, you know, how did I get get up here? Well, we weren't flower children, you know what I mean. We were, we were, but both Janet and I had this feel of, to me, what would I like to be doing? Do I, do I want to work in the city? You know, I want to be in the country, and <clears throat> so my applications out you know, for teaching jobs. Uh, I, I ended up going to the Northeast Kingdom in Vermont. I mean, that's country, you know, but there's a reason. You know, we both, she, she could go anywhere, and she said, I can't get a job in any hospital. So so we ended up, uh, uh, you know, Just going. Just to get away from the hectic city life? Well, it, it, we, we were looking for, see, I grew up as a child in the country. Mm -hmm. So then I here I'm in the city, yeah. Walking on sidewalks for six years, you know, where you can't find grass, and living in the fifth floor of an apartment house, mm -hmm. beautiful as it was, it's a nice place, and to, to this day, it's very nice. But I was dreaming; it, it's a dream, you know. You ask me what in fact we're talking about this last night uh, with the coaches. How uh, you know my old my initial dream was, boy, I'd love to have a, you know, a little farmhouse, not necessarily run a farm, but have a, some horses, a ride in the, uh, uh, the, the, or, the or, not the orchard, but the, the, the uh, sugar bush, you know, or have a little hill, you know, go climbing in the, in my own woods. That, that was my idea, the country. It's idyllic, maybe, but, so anyway, that's what drew us up to, to Vermont. And there, the soccer uh, was just starting. And uh, I knew a little more about it than most people around. But uh, <clears throat> I had a lot to learn. You know, and the kids... When did you start playing soccer? As myself? Yeah, you personally. Like, well, when did you get introduced to the game of soccer? Oh, well, as a, as a little kid in Hungary, we kicked... Uh, a cloth ball around. We didn't even have a regular ball. Yeah. Barefooted. Yep. You know, you, you make, take a bundle of rags and tie a little string around and there was a ball. Yeah. And so that's where, but never an organized team. Now I saw organized playing before I left. <clears throat> I'd seen a couple of uh, local town games, you know, where they, they go out to the pasture and uh, set up some goals and, this this village plays that village, you know. Mm -hmm. So it saw a couple of those. So that was my introduction to soccer back in, in did, Hungary. Did you play organized soccer in high school? No. And then in the military, you were because you had an interest. You started to coach or Co putting on clinics, right? Running yeah. the clinics, and we 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 had. I think we had. I did well. I also met while I was in Germany. I met uh, because of the soccer. I met 
some soccer players, and uh, I played sandlot soccer with them. You know, in fact, I got a picture of one of these guys, and we went even further. And you know, we were in soccer uniforms, but then <clears throat> I had him come over to the to my. We lived in uh, uh, housing. You know, they the aren't rented. They weren't barracks. We rented German homes. Okay big ones, and <clears throat> he came over to my house, and uh, we had uh, six, I think, six officers, bachelors, living out there in this house, and we exchanged uniforms. The guy was also in the fledgling German army, but he was a he was a he like a private or something, but we played soccer, got, got to know him, so we exchanged uniforms. I got a picture of me in his German uniform with a with the old. Do you still have uh, it? I have the picture somewhere. The picture, yeah. no, New Jersey? You still have the jersey? Oh no, 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 no. But I, I, uh, you know, so that that was another thing. The interest with it. Plus, uh, in Germany, you run into there were rabid, uh, rabid athlete. I mean, uh, soccer interest-wise, they were rabid fans and so on, and. I, I recall one particular instance in a bar someplace talking with somebody, and this is the old, you don't turn your head. You know how they used to f- have sword play, and you don't turn your head. Let the, you want those scars on your cheeks, that mentality. The guy is showing me his knees, his shins. Well, we didn't wear shin guards. We said, Look at this. It's from knee down to his, uh, his shoe. Scars. Just all scarred up. Because he played semi-pro soccer, but he was very proud of this. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like the yeah. only other thing I can compare it with was pictures of these slaves that had been whipped. Yeah. Pictures of these slaves that had been whipped uh, during the Civil War. They were showing that you know the scars on their backs. Well, this man had them on his knees. You know, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so that that's you know the, my European. So okay, so then you get all the way. We'll go back to where you start. So up in northern Vermont. Yep. And did you coach soccer in northern Vermont? Yeah. Initially, I coached. Uh, you know, being the phys ed man, they were starting uh, the 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 school had a limited program, so I started phys ed. You know, this was a good deal because you you creating the program. I started off with the junior high up through 10th grade, and the senior, juniors and seniors didn't even have phys ed back then. You know, they had sports. And, I, and each year we added another year. So the, by the, my third year, I had everybody taking gym. And I coached <coughs> uh, bath, JV basketball, girls basketball, I think baseball and soccer. And, of course, those... It, let's face it, it's not, it was not my forte. It really mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, I'm out of my element. I did all right, but it wasn't so really... you were well. learning the game, too, at yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I, we did okay. But soccer, we did a little better. We uh, we were the league champs the fourth year. I had those kids, you know, for four years, and uh, we're the league champs and went to the States. And, of course, we learned a big lesson, and I learned a lesson, mm-hmm. the passing and interplay you know that possession that and possession we were we played kickball and if you can imagine this i'm trying to remember norm bunno 
I don't know, you know, yep, Norm know, Bono. Yep, yep. See, Norm was a Sacred Heart athlete, and I even have a picture of him. On in Vermont? My, in Vermont. Oh, Sacred okay. Heart Newport played us. Sacred Heart always had better athletes than we, the, you know, the public school. So I'm sure Norm was a pretty good athlete. He was a good athlete. Because even yeah. now, he's a pro, I, know, I played golf with him and stuff, and he's pretty yeah. athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was... Uh, but anyway, Norm was playing, and I got this picture of him, and he's standing in front of our goal, guarding my goalkeeper. And the goal is like a made like a pole barn, you know, out of, out of cedar logs, yep. and, and there's no net. <laughs> so we didn't even have a net. And uh, so, you know, when we went to the States, we learned quickly that uh, there's more to the game than just kickball. Yep. We used these these what we now use to call playground, let they were not leather balls. They were rubber balls. Okay, you know they're they're very lighter than a regular ball, and the, the people would come out to watch and said, "Wow, you know somebody kicked the ball fifty yards. This was great. This is this is what it was about to most people. You know, just who could kick the ball farther? Yeah. So I learned a big lesson. We went to the playoffs and I think it was Morrisville, Vermont. Uh, tore, us, tore us apart, you know, just by passing and, you know. And so when I came here, that I also was very fortunate that uh, when I came to CZ, the boys, the people give me credit, and I accept it. We, I did bring some new ideas, and, and I think we, they were, the conditions were right for that. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, the boys' soccer team had done all right the previous 10 years already here. There was one thing that they, they you know, they might always uh, be bested by North but Champlain back those days, you know, mm-hmm. one nothing or something because Champlain was always bigger or, or Ellenberg, you know, but the boys did pretty well. In fact, I was telling that we were at the cattle barn kind of having dinner afterwards with Bob West. Now, I've done this yep. the last two mm-hmm the last two games, the last Saturday and this Saturday after the game. And Bob and I reminisce about, you know, he's, he played like in 55, yeah. 54, somewhere in there. And uh, they, they, you know, they no, no, I don't think they won the league, but they won this, this section for the C's or the B's. You know, those days they had a different, System classification classification. Yeah. It was still the same idea, you know, with three different levels, and so Chasey did okay back then. And uh, but but coming up, I think uh, Galen, I think what we experienced was I know the first year uh, I inherited a bunch of good sophomores. And what year was this? Was this is 55, 65. 65, Okay, sixty five. The group of sophomores, Brian Cody, Kevin Lapierre, uh, 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 Mike Salamando, I remember in particular, Bruce West was, I think, a, a, a junior. Uh, these guys were the core for the future teams. Mm-hmm. And we, 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 did, we did well. But see, I started something that uh, wasn't being done before. You know, you know, we had well. I think it, it it just a few years before that, even in Vermont, I think the way they did it was basketball was the sport. You had a fall and 
you know, two, two sessions for basketball and baseball kind of filled in on the other end. You know, it's fall and spring, really, for a while. And then they grew into having soccer in the fall and baseball in the spring. And uh, so most, you know, my first year, seven games for soccer. Mm-hmm. We didn't have our first game till something like uh, the the first of October. Doesn't say it late, yeah. Yeah, they play seven games in October. Se- seven's a short schedule. Oh yeah, and then and then when October was over, November first, basketball started. So you know it was really you were compressed into a short period, and uh, I I think the following year already, and I think the. Uh, the press. I always liked. I, I just kind of like publicity for anything, good, bad, or otherwise. It's good to have publicity, you know. Mm-hmm. And it helped us because they write off. It was they think was one guy, Sleepy Ryan. I think was on the was a worked for the Press Republican Sports mm-hmm. Desk. Yep. They call him Sleepy Ryan. I did from, from Champlain, and he started saying that, you know, initially, well, geez, he was the doormat of the league. Now, can you believe that? You know, we were the doormat of the league. And then he started saying the following year, the classy, shazy passing team, you know. They were still called booters. Mm-hmm. I tried to change that. I didn't want to use that term. We're not booters. We're not booters, you know. But So we got this classy passing team. And the, part of it was these kids that seemed to, and they were receptive to instruction you know and this is stuff you brought over having seen vermont and yeah it grew it grew with it plus my own you know go to meetings uh i I belong to the united states soccer association because the guys that i went to college with uh, many of them were uh, uh, community college coaches or some were college coaches so i'd go to those meetings and pick up ideas and uh that's where i came in with uh well for instance we were playing initially <clears throat> I don't think it was here, but we kicked the ball in. Can you believe that? We kicked, there was no throw in. We kicked the ball in, and there was a circular penalty area. Some American idea, you know, mm-hmm. a circular penalty area. And you got two points for uh, a goal and one for a penalty shot. See? So that kind of changed there was a, a, a considerable change in those years yeah. and I happened to be in that so when we came over here we already were uh, using pretty much the present rules you know with the penalty area and the throw in and even the throw in you know my my days the throw in was wasn't a weapon you know when we played men's soccer uh, you stand there and put it over your head and you Throw it in, you yeah. know. You, you didn't, Just a means of getting back in play. Yeah, yeah you, it was not used as a weapon at all. I mean, in my mind, then I come over in Vermont, I started seeing these guys running along the sideline and throwing the ball, you know. It's, yeah, chucking it down. All yeah. right, yeah. yeah. So there were other things, you know, like uh, you pick up from other... Vermont had uh, near... near uh, uh, Rutland, there's a Proctor, Proctor, Vermont. There was a, a apparently a mine, a mining for marble. Was it marble? Vermont marble. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, they had a lot of Italians. Immigrants had been brought in from Italy to 
work in the mind. And Proctor, as a result, had, you know, soccer players because the parents knew how to play soccer, so they were predominant early on. In, in the early 60s, they were uh, state champs in the small school, you know. So, so I get to see some of them, you know, some of those teams using little corner plays, you know, things that stuck with me. And uh, so after that first year, which was, we, we, we started out looking good, but we ended up, I think we won one game. We beat Danamora, <laughs> who beat the heck out of us in basketball, you know, every year. But we beat Danamora. We always beat Danamora in, in soccer. <laughs> it was a big, big deal, you know. <clears throat> and uh, we, I, I was in on introducing the new ball. You, you know, the old ball had, oh, not rectangular, but you know, they were they were. Oh, you know, oval yeah. type yep. panels, and yep. the new ball had the, the hexagon. He, yeah, hexagon or pentagon. Yeah, I think the five sides. Yeah, yeah. Those, you know, it was black and white. You know, this yep. was a new deal, and uh, at first, some of the coaches were objecting, but the league accepted it. So there was something new. Yeah, the new ball. You know, uh, and one of the other things that I will take credit for is. You know, we moved from the seven games to got the fourteen game schedule. Mm -hmm. Big deal. You yeah. Know. Oh yeah. Home and away, and I'd start the first day we were allowed to practice, first of August, the no, first of September, and we'd play Vermont teams. They were already underway almost, so they'd be all prepared, and we'd be going for our first scrimmage. And I went over to Swanton. And uh, played them regularly. Uh, they'd always kill us, mm -hmm. <laughs> but but we were being introduced to their style. Uh, and then I ended up playing probably with St. Albans. St. Albans. There's there are two teams. There uh, can't remember now. But anyway, St. Albans and uh, and Swanton and. Highgate, even at one time. So we we went out of yeah, to our go find section. the better teams. Yeah, play better. Then the next next step, after a couple of years, was we went to Montreal. We went out of the country to mm -hmm. play. You know, I drive my bus up there. You know, I I met some people, uh, and these are I'm trying to remember how how we describe that. They're they're ethnic areas mm -hmm. and this one particular area was uh, uh, Rosemount Rosemont they were more you know Spanish or Italian you know then there was another area Utremont they were Italians but they had heritage you know they, they were they had the background uh, and they'd always say you know we show up there with my and then the team numbers were growing. And this is in the 70s now. And uh, I'd have the bus loaded up. I'd drive my own bus, you know. <laughs> and we'd have like 40 kids on the bus. And they, they'd see us come in. And they'd have like 13 kids waiting there, you know. And I said, here comes Shazie's army. <laughs> 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 and we substituted. You know, they didn't. They, they, 
didn't use, you know, they just weren't used to that idea. I said, we got them. We've got all these guys. They got to play, you know. So, so okay. So, um, yeah, just because we only have a couple more minutes, the so I kind of want to get into. We're probably going to speed this up to kind of closer to the end of this. Is that so? You coached for was it twenty four years? Yep. Yep. And you, you ended in, because I, I did a little research, and, and uh, if anybody wants to go more into the soccer aspect, the book on you, Brenler's Boys, the house that George built, right? Is that the, right, the, right. the full title? Gordon, um, yeah. And what I remember about that, I was telling somebody leading up to this, I'm actually on the cover of that, but obviously... You're in the... In, there's a bunch of kids on the right. cover, but it was uh, taken in 2005, I believe. 2005, yeah. And I was a sophomore in high school at the time, so we ended up... Um, which... I remember that game as clear as day because that was the that was the field dedication. Yeah, and the field in Chasey's named Brenler Field after you. And I remember the first game on that field, and I remember that was a big big day because we had all the youth players came, all the coaches, all the. And I think, I think what you ended up doing for, because we obviously grew up knowing about you from. I mean, I was a Chasey soccer player through and through. I coached with Rob and I coached. No, you were in my classes in phys ed, were you? No, I wasn't. I was, nope. I was, oh, late, North. I, I was later on. Um, I, I went to school from 19, oh God, 95, 96, and I graduated 2008. So I had, um, I just remembered you as, you know, you came to all the soccer games and we knew who right. you were. And I played, I played all my, my soccer with Rob. Um, and then, coached uh two years with him as an assistant and then i did six years as the jv head coach yeah i know you were yeah you were so i involved yeah and i i love soccer i mean I, I saw you yesterday at the game and the boys are going back to the final four and it, it, i always look at of course i i was really i mean i was in school during the run of we hadn't won our first but we were there every year oh yes yes rob and, and had a long run oh, there. i mean we probably had close to well rob started what 96 97 yeah, so he it. had yeah, about yeah. an eight-year span where we were going almost every year yeah. and we would lose and it was and i remember the first um i think it was 99 or 2000 i think 99 and they went down and played in the state championship game and they lost to Faith Heritage. Yes, and yes. that was a big. I mean, that was a big deal. We were in the state championship game, and I think we lost two one. And you know, we had a penalty kick, and I mean, all this stuff. And I just remember um, eventually winning in two thousand four. And at the time, I was in high school. I was on the JV team at the time, um, but that was I was at the game, and it was such a huge event. And I'm sure you were at the. You were definitely oh, at the yes. game down in Oneonta. Yep, yep. And but I remember like the whole lead up to it is, and I think one of the great things is. Rob and obviously Tom have given you a lot of accolades and a lot of um, like def definitely deserved uh, because just the buildup of where we are now. And now you look at it as the boys are two games away from winning their 10th state championship, which I'm sure when you started out, that was such a, like, even when I was in school, like to get one was a huge deal. And, and um, you know, I know the amount of having been on the, I guess, inside of it as a player and a coach, you see how much works put into it yeah, yeah yeah and i think people always think well well shazy just ha it just happens it doesn't oh, just no, happen it takes, it, it, takes, it takes well i'll go back to the 70s late 70s now you know we had uh uh there was a major change in the schools in 1970 where we centralization occurred mm -hmm. so you got champlain st mary's and uh the point initially had been a different school too mm -hmm. but anyway champlain st mary's and moore's Three teams right there, one team. Mm -hmm. uh, Ellenberg, 
and Lion Mountain, mm -hmm. Altona, they're one team. So that six teams become two. Mm -hmm. And we're still Shazy sitting here, Dan Amore, you know, we're in the league with them. And that was the CCIL, uh, <clears throat> and then we called it, I think it was called the, the uh, Clinton County, no, it was CCIL still. But, it, you know, that made a big change in what we faced. We were always playing uphill, you know, against all these teams. And uh, the, the thing I found, though, that uh, toward the end of the 70s, as the leagues developed, you know, MAI came in. Uh, St. John's. Uh, St. John's, you know, we had uh, other teams. And they, the city inevitably will outdo us. They're bigger, they're more resources, more More kids. people to pull so, from, more, more kids that were yeah. eligible to play. So yeah. we, were, we were still plugging away in the 70s, doing very well. Uh, but we had gone into the MVAC, the Mountain Valley League. And... Uh, we did well there and had a, had an era there. I tell you, very, very, very enjoyable uh, relationship with Elizabethtown Lewis Central. And Don Huntley, as the coach, as the man, he and I, mutual respect, you know, it helped build the soccer and the interest. And uh, generally, I'll say many times, they probably have the better athletes, but we tended to win more of the games, you know, it's the, yeah. the way it goes, you know. So that was helpful in, in developing this, you know, so slowly it became kind of like a, a dynasty, you know, people began to call it that. But I will go and say that uh, for my sake, here I am, you know, 30 years of retirement, and I somehow still feel relevant. I'm included yeah. with the coaches, oh, uh, yeah. like last night after the, you know, the the game we were together I'm visiting with them and uh, not that they're picking my brain for anything that's not it it's just being included mm -hmm. and being relevant and uh, Tom the same way we're we have a unique situation three guys cover 50 years of soccer mm -hmm. you know and that's special you well, know when you're both still in the community and too. we're in the community yeah. you know and of course Rob is a special person mm -hmm. Rob you know, the, the way the ball bounces, I mean, it could have been long, you know, things have changed, I'd be long forgotten, whatever it is. But I give Rob lots of credit that he included Tom and I. He made sure that when he won that first state championship, it's, it's, a, it's a picture of the three of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an iconic uh, photo uh, now. I think that's, yeah. you know, that was it's very, yeah. very good. So mm -hmm. so in uh, I thank them and, of course, uh, the, the administration there were times where i i would say that's another thing to going back to the earlier part bill prue was uh, a very good you know we had a long relationship i mean he was like 17 years the principal you know mm -hmm. so i don't mean i could do what i wish to do but you know but they gave me free reign to run my teams towards the end with Charlie O'Connor and the change in the board, it got a little more difficult. They started getting into my business, you know, mm -hmm. as a coach. They started to... Micromanage a bit? Yeah, a little bit, which yeah. I didn't have before. But uh, we managed We managed to go. So anyway, when... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the... When when Robbie was coach, Jerry. Jerry... Oh, Blair. Oh, Blair. Yeah, yeah. Well, yep. Oh, he yeah. was very supportive. Very supportive, in getting yes. the field, you know, and then, uh, and Rob, and then 
for my sake, in terms of keeping my legacy kind of going, thank God. I feel good that I feel relevant because Larry Gooley chose to write this book. He saw mm-hmm. something, and and somebody else that said that before, Bob then. Oh, yeah? No, Bob then, way back. Yeah. I, I, I'm free to say he... he admired what I was doing and because he was into sports and like it's like Castine now Kelvin yep, yep. He's into the sports yep. so anyway the the legacy goes on and it's uh, it's getting it's never any easier it, I mean it's like you know we're saying we're going down to the state championship and uh, it, it, you know what happens the first one we had there in 2004 mm-hmm. I think everybody, they emptied the town. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was down there. Mm-hmm. Last night, who was over at our game? Lisbon. We had, we didn't have, we didn't empty our own town. Lisbon mm-hmm. had all the bleachers. You see what I mean? It's exciting for them because it's new. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's gotten to be a habit. Oh, well, they're going to go to state champs. They're going to win, you know. Mm-hmm. You get this attitude that, uh, well, just I'm a final. They're gonna. I used to have the same attitude for a while. You know, I'd go to the girls' game at Cortland. They said, "Well, Bob, Rob's gonna win the first one." You know, so I'll go watch one of yeah. the girls' games yeah, and then true. go to the go to the finals down in Oneonta. Yeah. Well, it's not that way, and it's not that way now either. You know. Uh, yeah, I think we. I think that's happened because I remember 2000. I mean, I remember my first time going to the state championship was 2004. I mean, I always. I followed the games, and we had people like reaching back to us because before, you know, uh, my dad was doing wiry with Joe and and Lee, and this was, I mean, this was way back, and we ended up same thing. Like you were more into it because like we haven't won, haven't won. Well, finally we kicked kicked the door down. Oh four, we won. The following year, we had the best team in Chasey history, and oh five, and won again. And then that's what kind of when I played, and we had. You know, we, we just had, I mean, we've had a string of the last 15 years have been incredible. But, um, yeah, I do find that, that people just assume that you're going to win. And what people don't understand, when we were playing down at the state championship level and, again, being part of the coaching staff and really watching Rob on kind of on the inside, I mean, there, there was so much prep work. And for the amount of times, I mean, I guarantee you right now, Rob's going for his 10th. It might as well be his first because he's just as nervous prepping just as the same way and I mean he would for a guy that has been there before and, and I mean he takes it so serious that you think that he just kind of goes down and you think he would just go through the motions and the kids would just go through the motions and it's not and I think the the even though we've this is our going for our 10th state championship for a lot of these boys it's their first time on the going to this level yeah, yeah, so I mean yeah. yes I, I could take it for granted as hey I've you know, I've seen nine state championships. I've been on the final four probably a dozen times. But for a lot of these kids, every year is different. And it might be, you know, take like a Heath Lucas this year or a Riley Hansen, right. who, you know, I was lucky enough to coach at the JV level when they were, you know, they were special athletes and, and players. I mean, even though it's their third, maybe third time down there, they're seniors this year. And that's the seniors carry a bigger weight on your shoulder as your last year yeah. than it would as yeah. an underclassman. But then you have a bunch of young kids, as it younger, but their first time playing at the state championship or their first time as a starter, not necessarily on the team on the bench, but playing as a starter. So, and I think that's something Rob always takes, you know, very serious is that for you're never going to replicate this team again because next year you're going to have kids that will leave because of graduation. You'll right. have new kids on right. the team. Yep. So, 
I'm always excited. I don't think I'll be able to go down to the game. Are you going down this weekend? Yeah, we're planning. You and to, Tom, probably. Yeah, Tom, John, my son. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna listen to it. I would like to maybe sneak off down there, but I just now with well, two see, young now, kids, it's a little now difficult. Now you can watch. You can watch it on. I, uh, yes, F- I can. FH. What is it? Federation. FH. S. I, I can't quite. Yeah, they but, stream the game, yeah, which would yeah, be nice. But two points before we uh, we should forget this. There are two points I've got to make. <clears throat> One was the, the what differentiated us early on. I'm, I'm saying when when uh, Bob Venn would say, you know, you got you know good team, and, and Sleepy Ryan would write about the Shazy class classy handling. Those days uh, they'd say, well, you know. Champlain loaded with seniors, you know, they're going to win the championship, you know, seven games. Or Ellenberg had this, their turn, you know, or it's Lion Mountain, their turn. Mm-hmm. It, we came on after losing that first year. It was always our turn. You know, we, we, we looked yeah. at it that way. Don't, we don't take turns on. So I was using, you know, freshmen and starters and yeah. sophomores. And that, it, a couple of years ago, my son Joe, whom I'm very proud of, uh, Came and uh, he was the guest speaker at the yep. the the the, uh, the banquet. The banquet, one of the one of the uh, soccer banquets, and he said that, uh, and it's true. You take average players and make, uh, a, 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 you know, good players out of them. Yep. You t- just take average players, because uh, that's what you have. You know, you don't bring them in. This is the problem. That. At the state level now, you run into teams. You know these. Uh, I, I've always had this problem, but you got to do it. Friends and neighbors is part of the organization. It's not just public high schools. Mm-hmm. You know, public high schools is apples playing apples, but we're not doing that. We've got to, you know, like Mount Academy. Uh, well, a few years uh, back, international the, prep. National prep, you know, you yeah. got these people that it's a completely different mix. Mm-hmm. Of course, they say if you're good enough, it shouldn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you don't belong there. They say, well, mm-hmm. yes, it's true, but uh, it's nice to to play. So, going back to my second step, this was about the fact that we take, we took, and Rob is doing it. We're taking average kids and making. Uh, uh, there's another term for it. The, the, not super, but good athletes out of them. Good well, you're, you're elevating their, their skill set. Skill yeah. level. They're yeah. able to perform. They step up to a level that uh, uh, you normally don't have. So, But I did it, and then Rob did, and Tom too. All three of us, we were section chairmen. See, I was section chairman for 15 years for soccer. In fact, to the point that... Uh, Bill said, well, geez, you know, why don't you have those big schools? Uh, they can send their people. He said, I, you know, we got to pay for a sub for you to go to these meetings. And I said, but, geez, Bill, we're at the cutting edge of this. I make decisions and changes and things in this program. We're developing the state playoffs, mm-hmm. and I'm right on top of it, yeah. you know? And so one of the things that we were able to do and this is not finagling or cheating or anything, but if you look at the North Country, Section 10 and 7, 10 especially, we're kind of like forgotten country mm-hmm. at the state level till we, I got together with that chairman and we t- said, look, we have mostly D schools and it's ridiculous for us to be put into, have to go through so many different 
you know, there were more games that you had to go through, a sub-regional thing, as the, as the state playoff was being developed. Yep. You know, first you ended up playing just Section 10 and 7. And down below, they were playing like 2 and 3, or 3 or 4 would play each other. And uh, But down, you know, down there, they had more schools in the larger brackets. So this, this was one of the first ones. We came up in my time with uh, the sub-regional that we had one game that we played against 10 or two, and then you got to the quarterfinals. So that was a big step. The bigger schools, they had two games to play. So that was one step in. You know, it helped us to get to the state quicker. And then Rob, and I think Tom both, uh, they got it now that uh, we played that one game with Section 10, and that's, that's the quarterfinal. Yeah, because when I was in school, we played 10 and 2. And unless you had, because every, on a uh, three-year rotating thing, it was one team had the bye. But my, like my senior year, we played Section 10, and then we had to go down to Colony <coughs> and play Section, section two. 2. So we actually yeah. had two See, so regional two games. games yeah. so, so Rob was able to maneuver that out. They, they, the committee understood there's 11 sections, 11 mm-hmm. section chairman, so on. And that's a, this is why, you know, he looks at, well, our, nobody's cheating here. We're just getting the advantage that we should have because of the number of D schools in this well, area. Well, I think it was, too, was Long Island always had a team that automatically went to the finals, so they had 8 and 11. Well, there was only, on Long Island, there's probably maybe 10 teams on the entire Long Island. Yeah. So you're almost playing like league to get there. So now 8 and 11, I believe, which are the Long Island schools, play Section 2. And we had a good argument against it for 10 and 7, having won how many state championships. So it's like, you know, why is a Long Island team? Because Long Island, when they went to the Final Four, was a very weak. They're, right. they're not that strong. Yeah, yeah. But Section 2 was decent. Fort Ann comes from there, and Fort Ann's had a very good run. And um, and I think at the time, too, was, I mean, it was kind of a little sour for us to take, but the year Colton Pierpont won, yeah. which we, you know, we we had a very good team that year, and uh, but I mean you can see how things were broken down amongst which it now I believe is a little bit more. It, I don't want to say fair, but it it makes more sense now based on like you said numbers. It's 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 uh, it's, it, it's done well, and the girls have a different. And one of the other things they do too is that uh, they kind of alternate. I'm I'm not in any. Uh, okay, no problem. No, you're, you're, we'll go a few more. Yeah, we'll go a few more minutes. Okay, we'll good, give you good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about things that you're interested in. Yeah. And it, I told or, you this wouldn't be that hard. So. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is that, uh, you know, a good listener is supposed to ask questions and, and listen to the other person. Uh, and, uh, of course, we like to, you know, when it comes to talking about yourself, it's much easier. Yeah. <laughs> but you asked me to come and talk that's, about That's what I want you to do. Yeah, you're doing great. <laughs> so, so I'm doing it. But, you know, so so in all fairness uh, to what Rob has done, it, it is remarkable. You know, there was someone who got nine, I think, or eight championships, and he's out of my category. But nobody ever said that actually uh, – he was like an honorary coach for the last few years, and they'd have his name on the roster as the coach. Oh. See? But 
he wasn't really doing it. It, it was he had a staff running, and they gave him the honor that he won eight in a row. But he Rob has done it himself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so there's no no. Uh, this would be nice, but now it would be a major mistake for people today to think, well, we're going down there and we're coming back with the state championship. Mm-hmm. Those teams down there, right now, we've played them before. Uh, Marathon uh, was a C. They've been a D now for a while, and they've won again. Uh, so who's, who's down there? Fort Ann, Marathon? Fort Ann is, Fort Ann is, is gone. Oh, the Mount Academy? The Mount Academy back beat again. Yeah. And, it, by, and this is the other very telling thing, that these scores are not one nothing. You know, they beat four to and four to nothing, you know, or three to nothing or whatever. Marathon beat the other team, Poland, who we've... I've played Poland bumped, twice. You know, yep. banged heads with the, the, yep. the Hurricanes. <laughs> yep. uh, you know, they beat them like four to nothing. This is Marathon. Mm-hmm. And there's another team, I'm trying to remember... Uh, Section five Fillmore. or six. Fillmore. Fillmore. Yep, you're Fillmore. right. Fillmore. Yep. Whom I remember from way back. I don't know whether we... 2005. They, they were... Uh, that was yeah. my sophomore year. That was when we let three goals in all year, and one of them was against Fillmore. We were down one nothing. First time we trailed all year. And then we, ended but, up, we won in overtime. Yeah. That was the game Nolan scored from the, from the uh, kickoff. Remember that? When he took it from the kickoff and went through the team and scored? In Nolan? overtime? Nolan. I thought it was uh, John uh, Frederick. Not that year. John would have played. He he scored immediately off the off. No, Nolan did in two thousand five. Five. Okay. That's when he took the he took the what was kickoff for the overtime and he dribbled right past everybody and scored. John, uh, Josh would have played a few years or this a year wasn't or two Josh. prior. This was John. John. The oh, period. John was even earlier. John, yeah. John was John probably played on the. John, I think, was on the team that went to play Faith Heritage. That's the one, yeah. 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 See, we won. And John the, may have scored that game because they lost 2-1. Yeah. John could have the goal. I don't remember. Well, you know, that's the other one that you look at. Uh, in retrospect, uh, uh, you look at your winning. By the way, we didn't discuss this because initially, my attitude about the team was, you know, when I first started coaching, I didn't even have a scorebook. Uh, Springfield, my coach, apparently didn't particularly consider that important, so I didn't think of it either. And then people coming up to me said, "But who scored that? Who assisted?" I said, "I said who assisted? It was the team? Yeah, the team." Of course, you learn that. Hey, wait a minute, it does make a difference. You better keep track of who does what. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, that's where I came out of. That let's celebrate together. This was the other thing. Uh, this. What irks me, I, I know I'm old-fashioned, but uh, a while back on our field, uh, Plattsburgh was playing, uh, uh, I think it was NCCS boys, and uh, Plattsburgh scored, and the player comes running up to the stand, showing his number, and yeah. just, just that just irks me. Yeah, that bravado, yeah. This is, it's not you, buddy. It was the whole team. Let's yeah. get together. Yeah. Together. I'm the, yeah, I'm the same. And it's just... Uh, well, this- I, uh, I played with, with uh, Nolan, and uh, I don't think... If you ever watch every one of Nolan's goals, he scored and ran back to half field. Every single goal. That's the like, way to do it. He was just like, all right, we got a goal. Let's get the next <laughs> one. And that, that's why he was the greatest player we've ever had, you know? And I think, you know, <clears throat> I, I, in the same way, like, it, it's... And, and most of the kids are pretty good. Like you watch the goals, the goal we scored yesterday, Riley. I mean, basically all the kids jump on each other, and that's how it should be because 
even though you're a forward, I mean, I always play defense, but you know, we, no matter who got the goal, who got the assist, it was a team effort because everybody, everybody's working hard at their, at their job. And it might be the one kid that gets it in the net, but that's his job is to put it in the net. Everybody else is to get it to that kid, you know? So, yeah. Well, I think that that's, you know, that's, that's something personally I've felt and, and perhaps it's old fashioned, you know, it's like, uh, I remember one time that really I was really shocked, and Rob, I'm sure, was Stetson Fields uh, as a little kid. You know, he was a sophomore. Yep. He scored. Yep, he scored at one of these games down there in Oneonta, and he runs to the corner and starts doing some foolish thing in the corner with the ball. I, and this is this is just what what is this? Yeah. You know, it's like the guys pulling their shirts off. Uh, yeah. The, the, the individual. Well, anyway, I, I just yeah. enough I said about mean, yeah. that that uh, uh, it's it's. Something I would not promote, but well, you go back now. See, in my days, we were very much uh, initially we were very much uh, school oriented or town oriented. You know, I mean, uh, it, it, the boys I don't think went up to Champlain to hang around with friends. You know, to be careful because yeah. that was Champlain. You know, or surely didn't go to Ellenburg because you know we suited up. To play, oh, it was Moore's. I remember that was the first game. For, we're suiting up for Moore's, and uh, Dickie Lewis, who was worked for the town, you yep. know, Dick's got a business out there in West Jersey. He said, Coach, uh, I need another pair of shin guards. He said, What for? He said, Put them in the back. He said, We're playing Moore's, you know. They got two shin guards, one in the front, one in the back, you know. It, it, so, anyway, the whole attitude was. Uh, Inevitably, you have to watch because it, it's like Lion Mountain played Champlain. Champlain is leading, five minutes left. You knew a fight's going to break out. Yeah. <laughs> the Lion Mountain, you know, it yeah. just was it's a different world back Different then. world. You know, these guys now, thank God. What, it's even uh, when we, we were playing too. I mean, you would play, like, E Town was a big rival of ours in soccer, Willsboro, when I was playing. And, you never, you didn't know the kids. You knew them as players. You knew their name in the paper. You showed up to a game. That's so and so. That's so and so. And you really didn't have a relationship with the other team. Now with Facebook and Instagram and all these things that the kids are connected with, they know all the players. Now with travel soccer and, and oh, different yeah, leagues, right. so now you're a little more exposed to the kids. But back in the day, I mean, we, you'd play E Town twice. You'd play them home and away. You saw the kids twice a year. Maybe you saw them in basketball or baseball, but. You know, it was a different world back then. We were more, we were very, um, you know, centralized to Z. So most of my, even even growing up, I see kids now that are way more cross town connectiveness. When we were in school, like you hung out with Z. you might add a little crossover of Beacon Town and, and NCCS, but it was it was very limited, and it was really only the kids that might have been with you know the Beacon Town hockey team. You'd get a little back and forth, but not a lot. Yeah, so. Yeah. Um, and I, I think now it's expanded. So even back, like you said, back in those days, it was Shazy was your team, and that's what your friends were, and that's your town, and um, you know. And it's things have evolved, which it, you know you, some could argue is good or bad. But yeah, we, yeah. Uh, I think that was always the success that we had growing up when we played travel, when we played indoor. We weren't part of a super team; we were Shazy. Yeah, and I yeah. think that uh, cohesiveness and that was one of the things that benefited us is we could go play these. We could go down to Albany and play in these t- tournaments in summer tournaments against teams that were picking from three, four, five big schools, Shenandoah and Clifton Park and all these bigger um, Albany teams. We would come as a Class D, just our high school team, but we had such a 
we had such a, uh, I say bond, but chemistry, um, that, that allowed us to win a lot of yep. games. We yep. knew the players. I mean, when you, when you get to the, by the time you're a senior in high school, you have played with these kids for 12 years. You know, I mean, you start at, well, now as young as three years old, but we were from, I had kids I played with at age five who I played with as a senior in high school in the state championship game. And you, you, I mean, you grow a lot over 12 years and a lot of games, a lot of minutes, you know, and and a lot of practices. And so I think that's one of the benefits of a small school is we always, and they still do that today. The travel team is a Shazy travel team and, and it's basically taken our, you know, junior seniors and our junior high and, um, or JV and varsity teams and merging them. Um, last question or last one thing I wanted to mention. And then last question before we wrap this up, you were the first ever inductee into the New York state hall of fame, right? Well, that was for the, that's uh, the, you got to clarify what that was that I didn't. That's what I was going to ask. What is, yeah, what was that it? was, uh, uh, I was, a uh, each, each sport has their section chairman mm-hmm. and they have their, uh, the committee, Mm-hmm. the state committee. So this was evolved by the committee uh, as a way to honor former or existing chairmen for their service. And uh, I felt very honored by that, that I was the first one s- selected for, this is for the, the soccer committee's uh, uh, every year we go down and you look in the booklet they have all the um, all the people that were inducted um i don't think i have i think i have one program here somewhere and they actually have you know induction i think you were 1994 right was the first one the first time they started it i might have one yeah well while you're gone i would i want to say one other thing here that uh, uh we should not forget in closing is that uh uh, the uniqueness of the small school is uh, the identity of the town and the people and the school all in one. And you take, uh, like Northeastern now is not associated with one town. NAC, not associated with one town. Uh, Beekman Town even. Well, Beekman Town somewhat, you know. But we maintained this unity that you're talking about you know the kids going through from 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 uh, grade school to 12 uh being able to stay together and that's unique now we do meet a number of teams in the state you know when we play in the the finals the, the final four there are teams that are the same that we are they come from a community that where the kids have kind of grown up together but the time is coming. I think the, the closing the closing point should be: What are we looking at in the future, Galen? You know, in terms of Shay Z. Yeah. Uh, here we got centralization going on. Schools are getting smaller. Uh, the North Country is shrinking. The the, the population, no jobs. You know, we've lost. This is this is not good for Shay Z, where we've lost the the economy that supported. The school system and support and then you know with that economy we had a lot of people through the years come in with their talent ed- educated people talented people so on which we are losing we're not getting that anymore for our teams so i always throw this out i hate to think about it i hope it doesn't happen in my time but uh, there will be a time galen where there will be no shazy soccer team it's possible that it could be 
you know, we become part of Beekman Town or Northeastern. I, I hate to think about it, but it could happen, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, especially as a small school, it's yep, always something. Yep. I, well, my hope is that, you know, I think there's <coughs> enough uh, support and, and that from the community, from the, you know, the Minor Foundation. I think, you know, it, 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 I mean, like Wyeth leaving definitely hurt and oh, things yeah. like that. I mean, it's, yeah, it's always something that is really in the back of your mind, but, you know, the, the idea is hopefully that's not going to be the case. Um, but yeah, kind of looking at at this book, which is kind of cool. It's one of the old programs. I mean, we're looking at... You're looking for the induction into the Hall of Fame. Well, you were you're in that 94, and you yeah, were the but first... But it's called the, 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 New York, the New York State Public High School Athletic Association, mm-hmm. but we I was the committee, the soccer committee uh, Hall of Fame. It's... it's, it's uh, because there's one for basketball, uh, Rob Gravel, for instance. Now this yeah. is interesting. You know, just just a coincidence. Rob Gravel was a student Chasey who excelled in baseball and basketball. He went downstate and he think of Florida, uh, uh, Seward, Seward, yep, uh, a school, which is a small school down there, uh, and uh, he excelled as a basketball coach, and he was uh, selected to the basketball hall of fame see it's like i was selected to the soccer hall of fame so it, it you got to you know it's it's uh, not connected with that when we used to go to oneonta there was a big building there with all the fields mm-hmm. that was the united states soccer hall of fame well it wasn't we we're not in, we're not included in that one okay <laughs> yeah so i mean this i think find this, that uh, this was the last one that i coached this was my last year. I think it was 16. But yeah, it top, the top one, you're 1994. Yep. And you know what bothers me about that is I've got to talk to them that uh, uh, I mentioned it. Whoever prints it out has forgotten my first name. I was going to say, you're just known as Brenler right now. <laughs> Brenler over there. You're, you're, like, you're like Cher. If it said Pele, Pele, Pele there you go. Keep it soccer good. terms. Uh, well, you know what it could be. Going back to my... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm off on the mic here. Uh, when I was in college, as I said, I was, uh, this is the phys ed school, so naturally you're drawing excellent athletes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's a fellowship on the teams, you know, and uh, so the guys called me piston legs because I'd be running so hard and getting nowhere, you know. So maybe it should say in there, piston legs, Brendler. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this right now. I mean, just... I mean, I remember some of these teams from when we were close and we lost. We lost to the eventual state champion a lot of times, but oh yeah, yeah, oh four, oh five, oh seven, oh nine, ten, and a couple of these that we lost, we were in the finals against them. Yep. Hamilton twice, and then you know international prep won, which we lost to them in um, the uh, quarterfinals. Fort Ann beat us in fifteen. I don't think we made it that year. Yeah, yeah. that was the year they beat. Yeah. I think actually. E-Town, but um, yeah, just to go down on a couple of these, well, it says Rob at the time had seven state championships. He has nine, so he's actually three ahead of the next closest. Um, Coaching wins, he's not there yet. He probably will be. Um, Consecutive shutouts, 21 by um, Sean Martin, Chasey, 05. Consecutive wins, we had 54, which was my, that was into my junior year. Career goals: Nolan, number one in state in the state, 176 goals. Um, 
Let me see. Jeff Krywanzik. 9903. He he's been it's been beat since, but he had 62 shutouts for career shutouts. And funny thing is Sean Martin, I think, had third had forty in two years. Jeff played over five years. So Sean, I think, would have done it had he shutouts in a season. He had twenty one. State championships, obviously, we have nine now. We're number one. We beat Pittsburgh Menden. We're ahead of them now. Season goals in a season, we had 160, which was not the record at the time. Oneana had uh, 99, but then Shalma and Elmira Notre Dame in 2015 both had 168 and 186. So our number was beat that year. Uh, we had 160, and then team shutouts, we had 21 again in 2005. Well, the so. other thing about the, you know, when you look at those records and, and everything in records, uh, you've got to keep in mind the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, early on when we, we used to have, it was so skewed, you know, these, the, the MVAC teams were so much weaker and uh, yep. you could pile up these goals. It was not, uh, so it's, you got to be careful when you use records because there's always a record. You can always come up with a record someplace, yeah. you know, yeah. ultimately. But uh, uh, that was another thing that Rob did. Uh, uh, mas- he, he was a mastermind in creating this new divisional play, yep. which yep. has been good. So More competitive. A, you know, the, yep. the, the, the Division One, Division Two, Division Three yeah. in the area now is much more competitive and is good for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you might not be getting the records. And when you speak about some team like Shelmont or uh, one of the other, yeah. you know, those guys play some tough competition. Yeah. They, you know, they were playing a lot of A and B schools, oh, as we do, but, but mm-hmm. they're tough. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's the records. It's like I noticed in my book, too, that uh, uh, Larry added a bunch of things. That ultimately, it, it don't count. You got to play the game. You know, yeah. the next one coming tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday, excuse me, Saturday. Saturday, yeah. That's the game you got to play. Yeah. It's like in golf. What is it called? You play uh, when you play. Uh, match play? Match play. That's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. So forget everything else. Yeah. yeah. You look, you look at the sure. girls, you know, you look at the girls last night. Yeah. That to me, uh, we matched up very well for quite a while. We just couldn't maintain it. Mm-hmm. They had more power more person you know more mature team yep but match play so otherwise why bother playing it you know they were the better team let's let them go yeah it doesn't work that way that's it yeah who's going to show up on game and, and day? you're that's... saying the other thing that you, you bring up with these records about where we didn't i mean i spent a lot of time and my time on when, when i lost in 73 74 what did we do wrong so on you got to weigh the other side too yeah with robbie those that he lost, I, I do the same. You know, where we missed, there's two occasions where we missed the penalty kick that would have sewed it up. We didn't. Uh, one was, rim, I think, uh, Edmiston. Mm-hmm. Uh, we missed a penalty kick. Uh, Faith Matt. Heritage, yep. we missed a penalty kick. Uh, John, I think, missed the, the one in in the Edmiston one. John? That was uh, Josh. Josh. Okay. Josh, yeah. yeah. So, but... But, so we didn't make it then. If you could have just had that flip mm-hmm. and we'd have had those. But guess what? Take the ones we won. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yep. and, and the, 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 the scale yep. turned, you know, in our favor. It, we ba- made, it balances out. You yeah. know, uh, I remember uh, 
Brendan making a tremendous uh, was it uh, against uh, uh, trying to think which one Northville I think taking oh, yeah. a penalty mean, shot with like two minutes left yeah a penalty shot you know yeah. against a big character he, he, that goal was huge and he got a finger on it too right so yeah. and Brendan you know but they could have, I didn't expect that game to be that hard yeah me either I really didn't you know so Northville so, wasn't a, yeah. so you got to watch that when you say the records yeah. The, the ones we won, maybe they're very well. We were fortunate. Or maybe you got a call. This is the other thing that I get very upset about. I sit among the spectators and they're so prejudiced. Mm-hmm. And I hate uh, people out there. Let's have class. I, use, yeah. I remember saying this. We're down in Long Island playing uh, South Hold. And uh, John Middleton, I don't know if Dr. Middleton's son, mm-hmm. he, he was... Uh, he wasn't really a, a good enough player to be on the team so he came along and he was our photographer well john was quite he's a fireman and he's written a book okay. uh, from his experiences in iraq and so on so john was quite a goer and and so here i am carrying him along to, you know to help us get pictures and he's up in the stands and i hear him mouthing off saying some kind of nasty things from the the, you know, he was up in the photography in the booth. Booth, yeah. And I said, John, class. We're, you know, they think we're from the woods. These guys. There were one of them was asking me how the hunting was going. You know, <laughs> they just didn't. I said, no, I don't know how it is, but I do ski up at Whiteface. Yeah. You know, they, they had this concept that we're out of the, with the backwoods somewhere. But I hate to hear like last night, uh, the girls' game. I hear a couple of people yelling. Referee, you suck. Yeah, and just turns me off because yeah, I'm the we, same. we've got to have class. It's easy to be cheering when you're winning, but what when you don't win? Yeah. You should still show class, mm-hmm. yeah. ultimately. And it's not the referee. To me, forget the referee. They do sometimes make a mistake. Yeah, but they're right there on the spot. We're not down there. Yeah, and, we, and what we see. But like you said before, if a ref. The ref makes a missed call, which happens. Almost every game, there's going to be a missed call. Yeah. But they make, majority of them are good. Everybody focuses on the bad. But at the end of the day, this is my thing too. Well, I get it. They made a call. Maybe that call led to a goal. But how many shots did we have that we should have put in that we didn't? Yes. you're not complaining about the kid who took a shot from 12 yards out and hit it wide when he should hit it on the frame. So, I mean, a lot of that, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not one to ever get mad at the refs because at the end of the day, you know, one, one they're, we're lucky enough to play where people want to do refing. Exactly. And then That's the other, the other thing. Yeah. yeah, not everybody wants to do that job because of the reasons you just said. And at the end of the day, too, they're, they're making a moment decision. And, yeah, maybe your angle was better than their angle. And maybe you saw what really happened. But they at their, So you always got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And even if they make a bad decision. I mean, yesterday there was, a, there was an offsides call. They called on us, and it was clear, clearly not offside. Yeah, yeah. And but again, you don't know where the ref is, or maybe he looked quick, and just that's what he well, thought he saw. Well, the other you got the sideline judge. So he well, this, so, this sorry, this is the line judge that made the line judge. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah. but again, he he you, who knows? Maybe maybe something caught his eye, and he just thought it was offside, and, and you never know. And and Rob gave him a pretty good lashing on the sideline, but it was it, it, he missed he, he missed the call. But at the end of the day, it didn't affect anything. It was just you know would have gave us maybe an opportunity to have a shot, but. Still, you, you got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that he was making the call there, in his they best were, judgment. They were, uh, they were. It's funny. There was a play last night of uh, uh, I don't know if it was the girls or the boys, but uh, 
might have been the girls, that uh, uh, there was a throw-in near the corner flag. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, our man threw it to, I think it was the girls, it, or maybe the boys. Anyway, the, the, the guy standing at the corner threw it nearby to our man who gave it back to him. So he's up there in an off-site position. And uh, the guy raised his flag. So John says, well, there's no offsides on a throw-in. There's no offsides on a throw-in. Yep. So I don't know. Maybe that wasn't, you know, we don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. the call was for a foul or something. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. And, and this, this thing with the, the offsides, uh, I saw one myself uh, where it wasn't in our game. The girl was behind the defense, right near the goalkeeper, came back onside, got the ball. You can't get onside. If you've been offside, you can't Yeah. see what I mean? Yep. But, yep. and they scored. Mm-hmm. See, and she had been, she'd been offside, but came back onside and received the ball. Now, mm-hmm. maybe if if the ball comes off the defense, mm-hmm. how do, you know, the, whoever was judging, to me, it looked like the person had been offside. Yeah. Shouldn't have touched the ball. You know? Yeah. So yeah. anyway, it, it's, it's not our job to do this and, uh, if if the it for a team with ten or nine state championships, the supporting f- crowd should have grown in intelligence and behavior yeah. too, yep. and a more understanding, you yeah, know, of of these things. And, and some, sometimes it's a new wave of fans, though, based on the kids that are in school, and you know, and and it happens. I mean, you're gonna. I I think we have. We have very supportive fans. Um, some fans are more educated on soccer than others, and I think that just comes with the territory in any sport. You're gonna have the people that don't understand the game as well as they should, because there's times too, you know, and you have the fans or the parents every year from you know that you kind of roll your eyes because they're the ones that are you know yelling they on the sideline, yeah, and, yeah. and at the end of the day, it's you know, and and I always tell. I always told people, I told my parents, and my parents weren't big yellers at all, but it was one where you can't hear anything on the field. So the parents screaming at the kid from the sideline, I've never heard a parent during the game because you're focused on the game. It's like when you take all your sen- your senses and stuff, like my my, my ears are, are trying to hear either Rob yelling from the sideline or one of my teammates yelling instructions right, to me on the right. field. I'm not worried about people off the side of the field. So these parents that scream and yell at kids, especially when you're talking <laughs> – I mean, I coach soccer. My voice doesn't project too loud, but kids in the center of the field could barely hear me on the sock on the so- on the sideline as a coach, let alone a parent yelling from the field. So I always. Well, one of the things that happens though is, see, when you're closer, you you notice that some parents always hang around right along the fence, yeah, as close as they can get to the action. Yeah, and I find myself it's quite different being removed and sitting up there, and being on the sideline when we used to play Elizabeth. Let's say we play at Elizabethtown. Uh, Oh, and, and you're, you're right near the feet you're right up. Yeah. near, yep. you're right near, yep. and you get the action, and so they can hear you. Yeah. But uh, the other part is that it's just uh, a fan mentality, and I guess the attitude. You know, the no offense to baseball, the big big leagues. You know that it it's part of the game. You know that you you harass and yeah. that's it, it, you know the. And, and by by the way, one other thing we completely ignored in the development. It just occurred to me. In my time, another factor that came in was hockey. 
we didn't have it in Vermont. My kids didn't play hockey. Mm-hmm. Here, yeah. the kids were playing hockey. Shazy, they played out on the river. And so they learned passing there. And there was, there was. There's a lot of similarities with hockey. There, and there was a yeah. lot, and I encourage it. And one of the other things that we I brought in it we haven't ignored, have ignored here was we continued playing soccer intramurally indoors. Mm-hmm. I played indoor soccer all year long. Yeah. I play with the kids. It yeah. wasn't like I was coaching my team, but in classes and free time, you know. So, and the hockey players were developing and. They were coming along with good passing, so that that came in with the soccer. I really and the girls, the best teams we had was when we had some hockey players on there too. Yeah, you know they. I went they, to school with a couple of girls who played hockey, and they yeah, were yeah. good so, athletes. So. so you know we forget these factors. Yeah. That uh, yeah. Anyway, well, yeah, we're gonna wrap up there. Um, I am actually gonna head back to Shazy, and you gotta go. You gotta go eat. So <laughs> right. Um, but I appreciate you coming on. What, it, what was easy, right? Oh, yeah. I told I you it wouldn't have been that hard. Yeah, I figured it. you'd be good at this. So, And I think we hit a lot of factors, a lot of points. Yeah. Know, and, good. Um, well, like I said, Shay, Shay, or, uh, Mr. Brenner has been a, a big you know, part of Shazy Soccer. And obviously, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with your background growing into it. But again, Shazy boys are going for their 10th state championship hopefully a couple games away. So that's coming up this Saturday. And again, we want to wish everybody a ha- uh, happy Veterans Day and thank everybody that, you know, has served and is continuing to serve in the military. And, you know, we obviously don't take that lightly at all. So uh, I appreciate you coming on. And Yeah, I appreciate it uh, that I had the opportunity. And, you know, mentioning the veterans, let's close with that, that uh, in the past, you know, years ago, uh, I would use Veterans Day uh, it was my holiday, you know, off, but I'd go and scout downstate the various teams that were because they played on Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't have to. We had that buy. Yep. And, you know, of course, I was using it to, to well, not personal advantage, but to, because we didn't have tape. We didn't have yeah. videos. Oh, yeah. You yep. don't have radio, which you guys all do. Yep. And by the way, I, I really uh, I have to compliment uh, your dad with all the, the community involvement. Uh, and you yourself, you know, uh, we know you were initially not a Shazy student, right? Yeah, yeah. alumni. Uh, but um, oh, you were okay. But he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, he was so, from Northeastern. And he, yeah. he converted to a true-blooded uh, uh, Shazy. Yeah, my I mean, mom rubbed that, off on him. Yeah, <laughs> you know. What she, it, yep. So it takes the, that kind of people in the community to support the organization, and again. Support your veterans the same way, too. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for having me, Galen. All right. Well, that's episode 55. Happy Veterans Day. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.